you um, were discussing this this scanduction, yeah. which um, I'm sorry, that's that's the term. I now. think it is. I've I've uh, <laughs> I've told my boss and a couple people. I said, you know, Zach told me definitely not to use it, but it's just uh, and and you can think of it as like you know a map reduce would be a map duction, a scanduction. There's like a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of like insert duction. It's it's I don't know. I think Zach is onto something. Uh, and I'll, before we move on to the scanduction, Connor, solution, I want a divorce. <laughs> why? First of all. <laughs> What? We're not married. <laughs> you can't divorce me. <laughs> Welcome to ADSP, the podcast episode 127, recorded on April 5th, 2023. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we finish our three-part conversation with Tristan Brindle. We talk about ChatGPT, his library flux, and more. So, so while we're here, because Emery just uh, just tweeted about this, this is uh, this is CY. CY. You know, I got I got I got tired of of uh, of trying to improve my compiler's diagnostics. So, so wait, you've got ChatGPT to turn C error messages into English. Correct. That is correct. That is amazing. That is amazing. It's really, really good. Of course, um, this is by so, Emery Berger, the uh, uh, t- uh, yeah, key, so, so, keynote so, speaker oh, sorry, I thought this was I thought this was yours, Bryce. No. I, oh, like someone just just that's it. Like a new startup, you will make millions. Yeah, I feel like I've literally seen that tweet <laughs> so, four times about like someone should just do a startup so, so of like Emory, parsing C plus plus template. Uh, Emery created errors. this other thing, chat chat de- debug. So like a, a basically it's a plugin for um, GDB that does the same thing, um, and and then we started. I started chatting with him about like okay, well I would like I'd like that for compiler error messages, and we came up with with the CY thing. But 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 both of these are I think super um, uh, brilliant, and one of the reasons is that. Um, you look at all these large language models and you look at what people are trying to do with the, with them in terms of uh, developer tools. And a lot of it is um, uh, code synthesis, like having it help you write code, et cetera. Um, and that's cool, but that is, that's like an open-ended question, right? And, and when the, there's an open-ended question, I think you're, there's m- multiple possible correct answers. Um, and uh, it, that also means that there's more room for it to do something that's wrong. Um, and also, I think that that you you end up with a lot more cases where it maybe hallucinates or or comes up with uh, something that's nonsense. And and also, there's been a lot of concern about um, uh, the like IP around uh, code generated with an AI assistant. But this space is very different because this is root cause analysis. In both the debugging case and the compiler error case, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I have this, you know, this thing happened. Here's the data. Summarize for me what the root cause was. And that is something that the current technology for, for large language models is very, very good at. And it's like a concrete problem. Um, uh you know, it's not an open-ended question. It's like, here's, here's information, summarize it and explain it to me. 
And that is that is something where things like uh, ChatGPT really excels. Um, so I think that I, I think I think that we're going to see a lot of development in the space of um, AI assisted uh, software engineering tools. But I think that things like this are going to be the ones that are going to have the highest impact uh, the quickest. Um, uh, like I I'm I'm already like using this. I was I was using the the CY thing to write the CY thing because I don't like know Python well enough. And I kept getting these these Python errors when I was trying to uh, you know change something. And then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna ask it to you know, to help me. Um, and uh, th there was another thing that occurred, you know, one part of this little tool that we have to do is um, you you have to you have to figure out what you're going to send to the large language model. You can't send all the source code because it has a limited context size. Um, and so what you do in in both the case of the debugger or in the case of the compiler diagnostic is you sort of, you have a, in both cases, you sort of have a, a um, a backtrace, um, you know, it, with a debugger, it's, you know, stack frames, but with the compiler diagnostics, you also sort of get this backtrace style where it tells you in this place, I had this error, and then that was caused by this place and this place and this place. And so what you go through, what you do is you go through that, you extract all the source locations, and then you go and you open, you open up those files, you read in those, you know, some of the code around those source locations, and you send it to the large language model so that it can figure it out. Um, what I'd like to eventually be able to do is to um, to use like the Clang API to instead of extracting just like random lines from the file, be like, okay, I want the definition of this function and this function and this function and send that around. But one of the things that occurred to me is like we're still, you know, we were writing we're writing some some code to parse the compiler diagnostics and extract the source locations, and I just was thinking about it this morning because. Uh, now we have to do it for mul to make it work for multiple languages. Um, I just originally wrote something that worked for C++ and then Emory wrote something, changed it to work for Rust diagnostics. And then I realized like this doesn't work for all of the ways, for all the C++ compilers. Some of them output the source locations in different ways. And then like Python's a whole different story. And then I was like, why am I writing code to parse this stuff? Like what I should be doing is I should just be asking the large language model, hey, here's the full diagnostic. Give me back a, a list of all of the source locations that are in this diagnostic, and then I'll open up those source locations, and then I'll send you the pieces of the source code that you need. Um, and I mean, the, another idea is just you you show it the diagnostic, and you ask it, hey, like, tell me what parts of this source code you need to see to help explain to me what the problem is. Um, and you, you end up with like this feedback loop here. Um, and yeah, I uh, I have drunk the Kool Aid on this. Um, yeah. One mention of ChatGPT and then Bryce is off. He's like, oh, I've, we won't I've talk been, about I've this right itching, now. I've Fifteen minutes later. Fifteen minutes later. Itching all day to talk about this with you, with you, Connor. Um, that that does that does seem really cool. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the tweet. Yeah, so. I I think that yeah. um, I think that this is going to be a big a big deal. Like I was, I was like a year ago when Git, GitHub Copilot first came out, I was like skeptical. Cause like, I, I am very, I am not the target audience for, uh, uh, software engineering tools. Cause like, I am very 
old-fashioned and curmudgeon-y. Like I, I use, use Vim in a terminal. I use VI on a terminal. Um, it's like, I, I don't know what an IDE is. I have no interest in one. I don't want graphical <laughs> tools. I barely want like a build system. I'm happy to just like write bash scripts. I want it as simple as possible. Um, I, I'm like, not- Like the, even make is too much. Yeah, I'm not the target audience for this, but um, I, I think that this is so, I'm so blown away by this that I think that it's, um, it, it's compelling enough to make somebody like me want to change the way that I um, develop software. Um, and that to me makes it like, if it's, if it's that compelling to me, then it's got to be a really big deal for all the people who are less stuck in their ways than me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and genuinely like error messages in C++ are, are a huge, are a huge problem. And they you know, a lot of people who use C++ daily or, or use C++ occasionally, I should say, you know, they're not experts. And the moment they're hit with like a 200 line error message. I mean, like, message, like imagine like, if, imagine a future where like this is plugged into Godbolt or like a future where there's like a GitHub action where whenever your CI fails, um, the large language model explains to you the, like in the GitHub PR, it's like, Hey, I see that you're, you know, this build failed, here's why the build failed. Or like better yet, like, hey, I see that this build failed. Like here's here's why the build failed and here's my suggest here's my patch proposing a fix for it. And then the CI can run on the patch and then like it can just fix it automatically. That's it. I'm sold. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. There's, I there's so much stuff that like I have a website that is written in closure script that when you run it locally will like generate and com the compiled down to JavaScript. But like that's, I shouldn't be pushing the compiled JavaScript. Like I should have a little GitHub action that deploys using GitHub pages that does that for me. But like closure script is not popular enough that like I can easily go read something of like how to automatically do this via GitHub actions. I, if I could just ask chat GPT, just like, yeah. I just want a script that uh, that like when I push my closure script changes, you will go and download and and uh, I'm pretty sure we're like maybe it doesn't do that right Gener now, but there's no way. Generation of like build sys of like build systems was another is another low hanging fruit that I've been thinking maybe maybe a big deal too. Oh, and and Emory Emory's got another really cool project that I just started checking out where it's called Commentator and it automatically comments your code for for you. It's 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 so clever. It's so clever. He's a very clever man, I gotta say. Yeah, we'll link we'll link a couple of Emmy Burgers, uh, Emery Burgers talks. But let's get back because we I think we've only got what fifteen minutes left before Bryce has yeah. to go. Yeah, before I turn into a pumpkin. We're gonna share a screen and we're gonna share the tweets. So I mean, we never, uh, we never. Oh yeah, we got completely sidetracked. Yeah. This, this was, got uh, mentioned yeah. two episodes ago now in the first time, the first episode that we had Tristan on because we're slicing and dicing this up, and I got. I brought this tweet up, but then we never actually uh, we never actually read it. But we'll maybe we'll come back to. And so this tweet, the tweet, we'll link it in the show notes. Says, given a sequence of n elements, should an exclusive scan yield n elements or n plus one? And uh, I actually let's just we'll, we can read the tweet. I said it should be n plus one because that's what a pre-scan is. Anyways, the point being here, we were talking about scans. A pre-scan is definitely n plus one. Scan is N. And actually, yeah, if you want to hear about post-scan, which goes from N to N minus 1, go listen to a, a Raycast episode, uh, the most recent one, I think, where in J, they have a primitive called fold, uh, 
which has six different flavors, three of which are actually scans. They call it like a multiple forwards uh, fold. And that one does not take an initial value as an argument and also does not make the first uh, element of the output sequence of your scan result. It's not equal to the first value of your input sequence. It just adds the first two values and that therefore you end up with one element less than your initial sequence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I, am I right in thinking that C++ standard inclusive scan does the same thing if you don't provide an initial value? No. And so actually, let's go look at this. Uh, the answer, I believe, is no. Stood inclusive I, ta scan. I take no responsibility for whatever broken thing. But We're what's interesting is that this literally came up uh, the other day in uh, Jake Hempstead's uh, fellow NVIDIAN. We have our CCCL meetings on Mondays. And I said that inclusive scan doesn't take an initial value, which I was wrong about. So exclusive scan is our pre-scan, but it's actually a broken pre-scan because we've talked about this on the podcast before. It is a pre-scan that only gives you back N elements when it should give you back N plus mm -hmm. one because it just decides to not give you back the last one, arguably the most important value <laughs> in the output sequence, um, which at one point we've also talked about this. Bryce used to disagree. Now he agrees. And I thought inclusive scan was uh, the parallel equivalent of partial sum. But if you look at the first two overloads here, they take uh, input iterators first and last and then an output iterator. But if you keep going down at some point... There's a T in it. Look at this. So I actually, so what is this? This is number five. And there's also a, a T in it on uh, 4.5. So let's look at what five does. Where does it describe these? Does it describe them? Doesn't even describe them by number. So let's see when it, let's actually just Google or let's just search on the page computes the inclusive prefix sum operation using the binary op or stood plus for overloads that uh, uh, use the default, using init as the initial value if provided and writes the result to the range beginning at D first inclusive, which means that the ith input element is included in the ith sum. So because they don't mention anything about a uh, differing number of output elements. My guess is that init is just automatically added to the first element. So it's like partial sum, whereas if you're doing a partial plus scan, partial plus sum okay. on one, 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 you end up with one, two, three, four, five. But in this, if you're using inclusive scan and you specify init to be 10, then you're going to end up with 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I think. But I could be wrong about this. Um, I think it's incredibly confusing that is, – is there another algorithm in C++ that has a overload that specifies basically an optional initial value? I can't think of a single one. I mean – Yeah, I think that's, this is the only one. And that's the, reason why, that's the reason why it's last here. But it's it, – for exclusive scan, it's before the binary operation which is uh, like in the in the parameter list order that is of course yeah. fun and and at one point it was not that way it was it was reversed but we we like to have um 
to have them uh, appear in in order in in like like uh, 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 as if as if it was defaulted if it's not uh, provided. Oh, look at that. I've been exposed. I went to Gobolt and it was uh, it's at Rust by default, not C++. Um, let's, I'm actually curious. So I, I have just tried this out um, with, with Inclusive Scan, and I can tell you that if you don't provide the initial value, uh, you get N elements out. And what, if you provide the initial value, what happens? It just adds it to the first Okay, element. yeah, so it is... I was going to say, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be misinforming our... Yeah, that is. Um... No, no, that was that was me. That was my mistake. Apologies. What? I was. Uh... Oh no, no. But I was saying. I was saying that about like I just said. I think that's the way it works, but uh, I had no eye clue. So I was. I was saying that like potentially I just misinformed people by guessing at what I thought <laughs> it did when I realized I could go. One of us could go code this in probably less than thirty seconds. So yes, I think that answers answers the question. Which then, I mean, that really is kind of upsetting. Because, because like, yeah, like std reduce. Technically, you don't need to spe- specify an initial value, but that's just because. Well, I guess maybe that is kind of similar. But I so std reduce. If you don't specify initial value, it's set to zero, which I guess is kind of the same behavior here. I don't know though. I don't like it. Um. Anyways, that was the. <laughs> I want to get back to flux. Um. That was the tweet. Oh right. Um, yeah. That uh, initially set this up, and we've answered it now a full two episodes later. For those that were like, they were going to talk about a tweet, and we got 10, 10 or fifteen minutes left. And this is the other tweet. I actually have this linked. Let's bring up that GitHub repo. So there's a GitHub repo I, I've mentioned a couple times called Top Ten, which currently only has eight problems, but they are eight of my favorite problems that I've ever come across, and I've talked about them in talks in these ADSP uh, episodes. And you can see down here at the bottom, three consecutive odds. I've linked to uh, your sort of Twitter thread, Tristan, on your various solutions using Flux. Oh, where'd it go? Which one is it? There it is. Because I just think it's fantastic. One, it highlights how awesome Flux is. So I, I'm not sure. We said we'll never do this where we show code and then the uh, the the listener doesn't get to see. But because uh, I think this is a great way of highlighting like one, how awesome Flux is, but just two, like my sort of passion for algorithmic thinking because it, it highlights sort of all the different ways. So I'm not sure if we want to spend the whole 10 minutes pop, bopping through these or you only want to explain a couple of these. Also, two, three consecutive odds. If you happen to also this being your first episode, it's given a sequence of integers return true if there's at least three consecutive odd numbers in a row, otherwise false. Yeah, I'm not sure what how you want to do this, Tristan, or if you want to walk people at a high level through the flavors or only look at a couple of them because it's a uh, this is like Id- idyllic code in my in my mind oh well thank you very much um yeah so this was uh i so every friday i get a new episode of adsp uh you know my phone tells me there's a new episode out and then um I I go and I, I take a walk and I listen to the podcast. And this one, this particular episode, uh, was it the first one where you were talking to Zach? Um, and uh, and I just thought this was a really, really interesting problem. And I went home and I was like, how would I do this? You know, I've got my own library for doing this. How would I do it uh, in Flux? And so I've got a, a few tweets that we will link to, I guess, in the show notes. And uh, so the first, the first one is just... Um, it's not using any sort of library. It's just using, uh, you know, a, a for loop and some if statements. 
kind of naive way of doing it without any library trickery. And that's kind of okay. Yeah, I'll I, I say in the tweet, like, I'm sure this will this would be some people's preference. And I, I'm sure, Connie, you must you get comments on your YouTube videos going like, why don't you just yeah, do it yeah. in a C way with a for loop? And this is how you would do it uh, that way. But, you know, it, you know, I like doing this. this uh, I like using algorithms and things. Um, so I went on and I did it uh, a couple of other ways. I used this... Um, this for each while algorithm that we were talking about, uh, it doesn't make it doesn't do an awful lot in this particular example. Um, it, 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 I would say it doesn't actually improve the readability at all uh, compared to the the imperative code that we were using before. Um, in some cases, uh, the for each while might be as we were talking about with internal iteration, it might be able to do things more efficiently than a plain old for loop. But in this particular case, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and the the generated code is the same uh, either way. Interesting. So this, the Lambda that your for each while takes actually, it, it, it does have a return value. Yeah. Which this is, is different than I may, I may I may have to steal this idea. This is very clever. Be my guess. Be my guess. It, it basically gives you the well. That's what the comment says exactly. But it it gives you the ability to short circuit. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's precisely the yeah. the the point of it. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Well, we'll we'll link all this stuff so that folks that want to take a look um, can. We'll move on to the next. This is it's hard. It's hard for me. Which one? is more beautiful this solution or the next one i i don't know it's uh but this code is oh it's just uh, makes me so happy <laughs> makes me so happy so um the next one the next one I, I, was actually my when i was listening to the episode this was uh and I, I was walking along and i was like how do i do it in my head uh and this was uh the way i thought of doing it so you Take your your input vector of integers and then you map it to uh, a sequence of balls, uh, depending on which whether each element is true or false, and then you step through that boolean sequence three elements at a time, and you look at the three balls and you say, are these all true? And uh, if they are, then you you uh, terminate and you say yes, they are. Otherwise, you uh, you keep going until you either either they're all true or you reach the end of the array, in which case they're not. Um, so if you look at the tweet, you have to do this in a slightly strange way. You have to provide this uh, ID predicate, which just um, like passes through the, the identity function the that you, you had. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, this was my, my sort of instinctive, instinctive maybe, the, my intuitive, algorithm intuition, my intuitive way that I thought to do this. Uh, but actually, um, as a result of the, the episode, uh, you um, were discussing this, this scanduction, yeah. which, um, I'm sorry, that's, that's the term. I now. think it is. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've told my boss and a couple people, I said, you know, Zach told me definitely not to use it, but it's just, uh, and, and you can think of it as like, you know, a map reduce would be a map duction, a scan duction. There's like a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of like insert duction. It's, it's, I don't know. I think Zach is onto something. Uh, and I'll, before we move on to the scan duction. Solution, Connor, I want a divorce. <laughs> why? First of all. <laughs> What? We're not married. <laughs> you can't divorce me. <laughs> um, I just want to highlight a couple things. Uh, you know, like I said, we'll leave links. But first of all, maybe my favorite thing about this is that uh, instead of adjacent transform, which is what we're getting in C plus plus twenty three, Flux calls this adjacent map, which 
is in my mind the actual true name of this algorithm which is actually i'm not sure if you are aware of this but it's uh that is the name of the algorithm in haskell uh it's in a library but a json map is like is what it should be called but we have to call it in c plus a json transform because we are the only language on the planet that, that, that i know of at least that calls yeah. their maps transforms very unfortunate map is a data structure so we have to yeah. Call, yeah. call it transform but uh flux um i call i call the transform operation map yeah. because and, and there's a map right as above you say it that uh is also the correct name for what we have to call transform but also you have these built-in predicates and sort of convenience functions so you mentioned id which is the uh identity function but you also have like odd which is not like a necessary thing but it's just like it's a very nice convenience for when you need to do things like that, which is uh, which is awesome. Yeah, so there are, there are only about half a dozen of these little predicates, but it's mostly just because I was writing tests and I just kept on using these little predicates like is positive, yeah. is even, yeah. is odd, is zero. And I was just like, if I find these useful, someone else is going to find them useful. So uh, as I say, there are, I think there are only six or eight or something, not very many, but they're, they're there. And you can, they're actually, there's nothing really flux specific about it. You can use them with the standard library algorithms and everything. It's very, very nice, small touch, like the language like Clojure and a lot of Lisps, actually, they have like, you know, po is positive or POS question mark, like just these nice, small things that like, how hard is it to write, you know, greater than zero? It's not hard at all, but like, it's also nicer to just read like is pause and like not have to wrap something in a lambda, which especially in C plus plus can be unnecessarily verbose as we all know. But uh, anyways, we'll uh, we'll move on to the scanduction solution, uh, which is also very nice. Yes. So the 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 solution with the with the adjacent map uh, is fine. It, you know, it works. It gives the right answer. It's it's pretty good. It has the downside that for kind of implementation reasons, it's calling the uh, is odd transform multiple times. So the the way the adjacent map works is that it sort of has like internally, well, three cursors in flux, but you could think of it as three iterators. Um, and it's every time you dereference them, it has to call the predicate on the the underlying thing. Um, so it's fine, but it it calls the predicate more often than it really needs to. Uh, so the scan uh, avoids that, and so. Um, so what we do is we we uh, perform this scan, we, we begin at the beginning, and we return the number of consecutive odd elements we've seen so far. So, um, you know, let's say you have one, three, five, then the, your scan is going to be one, and then two, and then three, because that's the number of odd elements you've seen so far. And so we do this scan, we transform our range of ints into, well, another range of ints, which is how many odd elements we've seen, the count of odd elements so far. And if we see an even element, we reset the count to zero. And then we go through and we have this, uh, in Flux it's called any, in the standard library it's called any of, and we look to see, uh, okay, are any of the values in this scan uh, greater than or equal to three? And uh, again, if you look at if you look at the tweet, and <laughs> this is maybe not great uh, audio only, but uh, yeah, so we're using another one of these uh, flux predicates that's uh, greater greater than or equal uh, to three. I wonder. So you have a map. Maybe I'll go and is flux flux isn't available on Gobbled, is it? This is this is pretty clever. Uh, it it is. So if you go to um, uh, so it's. Uh, 
github.com slash tcbrindle slash flux. That's the, there's, uh, I, I should say, there is almost no documentation for flux yet. Like this is literally the first time. That, that, that's cool because there's a large language model that can make the documentation <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, um, I might have to look at that. It might save me a lot of time. Um, but uh, I've got a little bit of introductory info. I, one of the, my goals over the next um, you know, few weeks when I've got time is to write like documentation about how Flux works internally and stuff. Um, but uh, I do have a single header that has, you know, a, 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 because um, it's a header only like heavily uses lots of templates. And so there's a single header uh, file that you can just uh, hash include in Godbolt because um, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I always forget that. Go and download do it. So there is, I believe in the readme, there is a link to uh, Godbolt and you can click that and it will um, take you to somewhere where you can play it. So it's not one of the built-in li in the libraries, libraries drop down in Compiler Explorer. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, but uh, but you can just do the hash include, um, the hash include thing. Yeah, which is pretty. Cool. The reason I ask is because I kind of want to go. There's a alter slightly alternate version of this where you map, you do the same initial map that you did in the previous solution, map odd to turn it into a sequence of ones and zeros, and then you can either simplify your lambda here to be if you call the first argument of your lambda a and the second b it can be uh is it a plus b in parentheses times b so it's like the times b will reset your odd count to zero if it's zero otherwise it'll do a plus b on your a so it'll either be your current odd count plus one in parentheses times one oh. or it'll be your current odd count plus zero times zero which will reset it and that pattern actually your plus applied first and then or your your plus applied first and then your multiplies you can spell in array languages with a dyadic fork which is like a combinatory logic thing so and i happen to have a small library called blackbird so like if we combined flux and blackbird you could get probably actually one line shorter uh, because right now you have three lines for your scan. You'd have one line for your map and then one line for your scan because you wouldn't have to spell little lambda. You could just pass plus and times and identity to your phi one combinator. Anyways, losing the listener, but uh, yeah, both of these solutions are so beautiful and um, you know, People have a lot of a lot of nice things and not nice things to say about C plus plus, but like this is like uh, you know we're close to the utopic world that uh, one would want to live in if you're me coding in C plus uh, plus. Hopefully we didn't lose all the listeners. Uh, we got to stop doing this though, where we I mean says the person who shared his screen to <laughs> yes. to, 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 uh, walk, to walk through some code. It's hard to it's hard to talk through tweets when uh, I'm not sure whether people can see them. But, uh, uh, we do have to yeah. wrap up because my mom uh, is texting me that it's time for yoga. All right. Well, so yeah, we got two, okay. less than two minutes left. Uh, I know. Tristan, so first of all, thanks for coming on. This has been awesome. We're going to have you back to talk about find it versus accumulate and uh, all the ChatGPT things. I guess I'll stop sharing my screen while uh, we do this. Uh, before we go, though, I know that you, I think you last time we chatted at CPP North, I think was probably the last time, like in person, uh, not yeah. over Twitter. You were freelancing and doing training and stuff. Is that is is that still what you're, because anyways, if this is an opportunity to plug what you're doing, slash if you're going to be at any conferences, giving talks, now's the time to, to do all that sort of. Okay, so uh, I am going to be 
this year at uh, C++ on C. Um, also just heard a couple of days ago, my talk uh, was accepted for CPP North as well. So I'll be going uh, back to Toronto. So that's awesome because I had a really good time there last year. Um, so I'm actually going to be uh, talking about um, Flux and uh, iteration and sort of uh, the basics of iteration, how we can do these more safely um, at, at both conferences. Uh, I, I, the, you know, the, the windows overlapped and I submitted the same talk for both conferences and the, the, they happened to both accept it. So um, I guess depending on whether it's easier to go to Europe or easier to go to North America, uh, you can, if you <laughs> wish, hear me uh, chatting about that. Um, so yeah, uh, really looking forward to that. It's, uh, it's going to be great. And I'll get to, well, I get to see you, you, Connor, I assume you're going to CPP North. Yeah, I'll be both. I, I will, I'll be both uh, CPP North and C++ on C. <clears throat> so yeah, we'll, we'll see each other a couple times. Oh, that, there's another idea. GPT plugin for, uh, for PowerPoint. Somebody, Microsoft, get on that. I want that. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're, they basically bought, bought the whole company uh, at this point. That would that would genuinely be a fun lightning talk, right? So you just get ChatGPT to like generate you a script and just stand there for five minutes and read out. Yeah, yeah, I may do that. Half of the stuff that it generates, like when it's like, give us a promo for uh, this podcast. It's like better than <laughs> what I could have written. CPT oh, yeah. cast did that. Um, but you covered the talks. Um, are you available for training in, in case folks want that or? Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, so um uh, if you if you want training on C++, I'm, I'm most definitely available. Uh, get in contact with me. Um, we can, I guess, put my email somewhere uh, if you're interested in that. Otherwise, uh, I'm on Twitter, if that's still going by the time <laughs> this episode airs. Yeah. Uh, so it's at Tristan Brindle at Twitter. I haven't got around to setting up Mastodon yet, um, but I will do that at some point. Otherwise, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll throw all the links in each of these episodes, even though the plugs happen in this one uh, in the show notes. And yeah, folks can find you on Twitter. It is concerning that there has been uh, the what is it? Shibu Inu Dogecoin. Yes. Like like that does seem like the like I'm not sure if that's the beginning of the end or we're like very close to the end. And the beginning was a long time (laughs) ago. But uh, it like it's been there for a few days now. I'm still convinced that he's going to get bored with it at some point. He kind of disappeared for a while, we, and then I I thought that was it, but then he came back guns a blazing. Well, he was he, he had that poll with like, should I quit as yeah. CEO? And everyone was like, yes. Uh, and then he just ignored He's it. He's a large so, man yeah. child. Eventually, he'll find some other toy to play to play with. Everybody can. It makes me very happy chill. that apparently he tried to be the uh, chairman of the board or something like that of OpenAI at one point because he was a. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he was. He probably says he's a co-founder when he wasn't, and blah blah blah. But like, he, I th- he had some association. <laughs> and then uh, I don't. What's the Sam Altman and uh, Suskiver? They were basically like, no, bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the guys that are the people that are behind ChatGPT and all this LLM stuff, it makes me very happy that they very much ahead of the curve recognized that they didn't want anything to do with <laughs> with Mr. Musk. Yeah. All right, I really got to go. Yeah, Brace's got to go. Thanks for coming on, Tristan. Okay. Uh, and we will. We'll... Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, It's been awesome. Cheers, guys. Be sure to check your show notes either in your podcast app or at adsppodcast.com for links to any of the things that we mentioned in today's episode, as well as a link to a GitHub discussion where you can leave comments, thoughts, or questions about today's episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.